Good morning, Carl and special guest Jason Contini. How are you on this uh, Easter vigil? Hey, hey, happy Easter, everybody. And last week was Passover and Ramadan's coming up. So all three major religions are having a convergence almost. We'll talk to our guest Jason Contini in just a moment. Then we'll talk Godzilla versus Kong around minute four. Around minute 20, French exit. Around minute 27, the last blockbuster. Around minute 40, concrete cowboy. Around minute 43, we'll talk about Matt Kit Cannon Reeves' new project, Berserker. And then around minute 52, reopenings and going outside. And this time, this feels different because we're, we get to hug people if we're vaccinated. <laughs> oh, actually, and... actually, I was at a fish fry last night and I said, hey, I'm half vaccinated. And the hostess said, well, then you can give me a half of a hug. <laughs> what exactly is a half of a hug then? Um, it was just one shoulder. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, hey, that's our guest, Jason Cantini. Yes. So, Jason, you are always so busy. I know. What are you, what are you working on now? Um, I'm working on, uh, you know, too many things at once. You know, I still do the, the other two podcasts. I do a, a podcast called Two Guys Talking Horror. Um, and, uh, and then I'm also a member of a comic book and pop culture podcast called, uh, my big fat pull list. And so those two things tend to take up a lot of time. But in addition to that, um, my dad and my brother and I have been developing an original graphic novel oh. over the last year during the pandemic. And, um, and we'll be hopefully announcing more stuff about that pretty soon. So that's been taking up a lot of time. And then I've got a, you know, that fan film that I've been working on for a couple of years that I've been trying to get that's based on the old Mighty Crusaders comics from Archie. And, um, you know, we, we keep getting, we keep getting slammed with various different things that set us back, you know, actors have medical issues, schedules, and then of course, COVID really right. kind of killed any kind of shooting for the last eight, nine months. So, um, so yeah, so kind of all of it all at the same time keeps me pretty busy. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, that's good. And, and your lovely wife, Taylor Peets is very busy at Burroughs yes. and I guess, are they having a spring musical? They are. Yeah, they are. In fact, they're in the middle of it now, which is why she was unable to join us today. Um, they're they're in the middle of rehearsals now, and I think they're doing it virtually. So uh, they're kind of approaching the whole thing as, a, as you would a film. They'll rehearse a song, learn the song, learn the choreography, and then shoot the song, and then go to the next... Um, the next scene or the next number after that. And so there won't actually be one full complete performance, but once it's all edited together, it'll be a, a full virtual performance. Aha. Uh -huh. That's an interesting way of doing things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's still, even though we're getting relaxed, I guess, in our rules, there's still rules and we got to be safe. So, yeah. Well, well especially if you would go to a, high school performance that's going to be a lot of parents and especially grandparents that you don't want you know yeah well and the other thing too that they were coming into that they were noticing is that they can they can easily socially distance the seats for an audience that that isn't a problem the issue uh, that they were having was the amount of kids 
being in a dressing room together at ah. one time during an entire run. Whereas doing it this way, you just need the kids that you need for that number. And, um, and then you move on and it, and it cuts down on the amount of contact. Aha. Well, Jason has seen the number one movie of the weekend and the number one movie in the world. So Lynn, you tell us why you were not, uh, enamored with Godzilla versus Kong or is it Kong versus Godzilla? I think it's, it's Godzilla, Godzilla yeah. versus Kong. Godzilla is the big bad baddie in this one, but I I will I will tell you. But I I want to say that it has broken all monster box office, and it is also playing at the Skyview Drive-in. And cars started lining up last night at four forty-five. Wow! wow. The box office doesn't even open till six. Wow. So good. they had they had a good turnout. This is a movie that I think is going to get quite a few people back in the theaters, and they are taking extra precaution. Regal opened up nationally, but I checked with the Gravoy Bluffs location, and they had not opened yet. Hmm. But I think you can find this movie pretty much on every in every multiplex in St. Louis. However. I watched it on HBO Max. As did which, I. Yeah. Which which is it, only for the first 30 days though. After yeah. that, so April 30th. After that it goes away and that's how they're doing it every month this year. Like Tom, I think Tom and Jerry's gone now. It is. Yes. See, yeah. You can't see Tom and Jerry anymore, but you can see it at the Skyview. But this is a sequel I think we were trying to go through the uh chronologic order of Kong and Godzilla movies. This is a direct sequel to Kong Skull Island and the Brian Cranston, Millie Bobby Brown Godzilla, correct? Correct, correct. And it, it, but I also standalone, there are like 35 Godzilla movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you count all the different, all the different relaunches over the years, yeah. Right. Well, this is, but in the last, in the last 20 years, there have been two different Godzilla. Right. Well, this is considered the uh monster verse from mm-hmm. warner brothers so it started with godzilla in 2014 then it was kong skull island mm-hmm. in 2017 then godzilla king of the monsters which i didn't see in 2019 and now we have this big extravaganza this is only the second time that they have clashed yep. kong and godzilla now godzilla comes you know is the atomic sea monster from Hong Kong, and all of a sudden he shows up. Now we have the corporate headquarters of Apex in Pensacola, Florida. And that is now where they have the Kong station to monitor him. And Rebecca Hall is uh, known as the Kong Whisperer. And she has been studying him and was on Skull Island for 10 years. So she plays a scientist that hooks up with Alexander Skarsgård as another scientist who believes in the hollow earth, which will be important later on, but we're not going to spoil it, Jason, Mm because, you know, part of the fun, I mean, you cannot ask too many questions in this. It's a monster movie. I was going to say, this isn't the kind of thing that you you go into expecting uh, a real thought out and developed story. And that's not what 
anybody wants. I mean, it was certainly not what I wanted. I wanted you to watch in, the monsters beat. I want to watch the, them beat the tar out of each other. Yeah. So you know, I whatever flimsy story you need to hang that on, I'm fine with it. Let's get to the monsters. Yeah. Well, they do have a good cast. I will say this director. Adam Wingard, he did Carl the Blair Witch sequel that you and I saw together mm. on a evening just to check it out. He did that. He's been making cheesy horror movies since he was. Well, 19. yeah, he did She Dies Tomorrow, which remember I almost turned off. Oh yeah, that's right. So they entrusted him with this, and then the writer is the the guy that. Uh, was the script doctor on a lot of the Avengers and Spider-Man oh. movie. And he wrote, oh, the one that just, oh, now I totally don't have my notes. But he wrote one of the, isn't he connected to Black Widow? I think he is. Well, so. they're, they're, the, the story is by three people. Terry Russio, who uh, was a, is Academy Award nominated uh, for Shrek. And, oh, no, uh, uh, for Pirates of the Caribbean, or Caribbean, he wrote uh, he wrote Aladdin, and he wrote all five of the Pirates movies. So he was nominated for nominated for best adapted screenplay for that. Then there's Michael Doherty. He worked on um, X Men, and then oh okay, so, yeah he was he's like he's a uh, Brian Singer guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so and we then got Zach some... Shields is the third guy. So we got some good cred here you know going in the technical and it is a technical more you know it's state of the art hbo did have a disclaimer i noticed that they were using the best possible audio and the best possible video to show this because and you know it loses something not being in the theater but what did you think jason i thought it was okay on i absolutely loved it i mean i you know (laughs) I, I was not, I, I'm such a, a horror film nut and monster film nut to begin with. And, um, you know, like I said, I I really could have cared less what the story was like. I right. wanted to see two hours of them going at it and you get about an hour and a half of them going at it. Um, and then the other 20 some odd minutes is, is story. And uh, I don't know, maybe they couldn't afford the full two hours of fight. I don't well, know. Uh, I well, was all of us, yeah. I well, all it. of a sudden they have a common enemy, which we mm-hmm. won't talk about. No, no, no. But then they have to team up to save mankind. So, yeah. uh, you know. But there is, there is a clear, there is a clear winner though. They, yes. they do, there is, you know, a, a very clear winner as to who, takes the 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 belt the mantle yeah right well if we're gonna if we're gonna talk plot we've got the good scientists and the bad scientists well i talked to danny yesterday i talked Uh to dan our buddy dan buffett when i was on with mark reardon on 97.1 and he his major complaint is that kyle chandler is wasted in this movie oh yeah totally there's really no reason for him to be in it i i was (laughs) wondering that too i was like why he must have done Why all of his here? stuff in like a day. Like he has so yeah, little. Yeah, that's what do. Dan said. Dan's like he, he must have had a weekend and knocked out like a, his scenes. Yeah, in one I mean, it, it, and they don't. You could take all of Kyle Chandler's stuff out of the film, and it would not affect a thing. No, he's Bobby. He's Millie Bobby Brown's dad, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I think he has like maybe three scenes. Maybe, yeah, maybe. And uh, the the, the star, the breakaway star of this, is this little girl named Kaylee Hoddle and she plays an orphan girl that bonds with Kong she oh. teaches Kong sign language 
she does her entire performance through sign language. Now, I don't know if the actress herself is deaf uh, or not, but but that's the character, and her entire performance is done through sign language, and she's wonderful. She's she fantastic. is. She's 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 uh, she's definitely the breakout star. She's very innocent, very. Uh, uh, you know, she obviously she and Kong bond. Now, I just have a little issue with the scale of things because, you know, it's no longer the the Kong that that uh, climbed up the Empire State Building. It is a ginormous Kong. Mm -hmm. But then when he gets in his natural habitat, he's like prancing around like he's a little chimpanzee, you know, so the <laughs> scale of things is just. I don't, I don't get it, but it's got the, it's got the, everything that you want in a blockbuster, it has. Yeah. Okay. And, and Lynn, you, you are right. I just gave you the story, people, the screenplay is, that's Eric Pearson, who did write Black Widow, and he also wrote uh, Ragnarok, and he also did a lot of the one shots, which were the bonus stuff between films, mm -hmm. and then also Mac Bornstein, who had, who wrote um, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Skull Island, and the original Godzilla 2014. So he's he's had his hand in all of these uh, Warner Brothers universe. Now, my question to you guys, what we've known about Warner Brothers, this is the, you say, fourth film in this series. They are known to rush things. Like they needed a Justice League right away. They needed the Suicide Squad right away. We got to have this team up right away. Is four films long enough for them to have this team up or did they, or do you think they rushed it like they rushed everything else yeah. i don't my only big concern being a big godzilla fan uh, even of the classic stuff is i don't know where you go from here and obviously their their license with toho uh at this point has not been renewed so if toho decides not to renew the license with warner brothers this could be the last of the monsterverse films um in which case great uh, they did it perfectly. But if they want to continue, you know, they've done all the big ones. They've done Mothra and Rodan and Ghidorah and Kong. And it, what, what do you do now? What do you do? Gamera, which technically isn't even Toho, I don't think. But um, mm -hmm. I mean, where, where do you go after this? So uh, depending on what happens with the license with Toho, um, could could determine whether or not this was rushed or uh or if it's if it's just the right amount well i i my favorite thing that i was not allowed to talk about on the air is is, is a mental floss article where they interviewed um scientists to find out who'd take a bigger poop godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> and if you want to find out who that is and they they do it to scale and to size and <laughs> what they do. Go to mentalfloss.com and you find out who would be the winner, Godzilla versus Kong. Wow. Oh my. Oh my. Based on real life, based on real life, and it's 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 a scientific article. <laughs> well, when you first see Godzilla, what I like is it's just it harkens back to the 1954 original, the glowing uh, atomic monster. That's the cautionary tale. Mm -hmm. And it still is rather cautionary. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, you know, it's uh, for, I think they, they spent a considerable time trying to get it right. I don't think they rushed it. 
I think they wanted it to be a legacy film. And given the, the year of the pandemic, people just want escapism and they just want to see fun. Like Jason said, uh, you just want to see them. And their first fight is underwater. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's on a, on a carrier at sea. And so some of it is above the water in that regard, but most of it is after Godzilla pulls Kong under the water. And he's still a monkey. He's gotta be, he's gotta breathe. And that, and that plays into it. Okay. Maybe, maybe not as realistically as one would expect <laughs> in real life, perhaps maybe right. he stays under longer than he should have, but, but it, it does, they do factor it in. Yeah, well, there's like th three subplots, I would say. I mean, three teams, because Millie Bobby Brown is with Brian Tyree Henry, Henry, who I just adore as a supporting actor. And he is the podcast conspiracy theorist guy, tight, Titan Truth. Yeah, but Millie and Bobby Brown's been in these films since she was a baby. Yeah, and now she's in high school, according to the plot. So anyway, so it does have a good cast. I would, you know, I'm, I bought Alexander Skarsgård as Tarzan. I was one of the few people that liked it. So, you know, I'll follow it. You know, it's, it's incredible cast. D Damien Bashir, you know, right away, just like in Jurassic World, you know, right away, who's the villain? And of course, he's the corporate villain. Now his daughter, Aiza Gonzalez, she is not used very much. She has a one note role. Yeah, you know they're they're drawn with broad strokes. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty clear that the that the entire production team, you know, they went in making this with one intention, um, and if that's all you go in wanting or expecting, then I, I can't see how you would be disappointed with it. And, right. I, and I, I have looked up that uh, Kaylee Hoddle is a deaf actress from Atlanta. Oh, so. Okay. Oh, well, that was, that's good okay. to know because I wondered if she was. So kudos to them for adding that. Yeah. And she's, she's wonderful. She's really good. She is. And uh, there are some Easter eggs that Jason probably knows, but I'm slow to the uptake those because of remembering all the other movies, but you'll, you'll hearken, <laughs> you'll see things that relate to the other films and i'm sure that there's stuff in there that that i miss too i mean it it moves so fast it does that's what it's, i was impressed yeah, at it, it, well, it's it less never than slows hours. down right and it doesn't feel like that it feels like maybe an hour like it just goes really? yeah it starts right away we just don't waste any time we get right into the monsters in the very first shot of the film and it's just it doesn't let up it just never now, lets now, up. now when you say easter eggs is it Easter eggs to the other three films or is it Easter eggs to the other King Kong and other Godzilla movies? Both. Yeah. Both. Okay. And I'm sure there are a lot more Easter eggs to the classic Godzilla films in there. But like I said, on a first viewing. Right. Um, you need to hit so pause fast. and see really, three yeah, things. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that they got it in for under two hours and it zips along and they just cut to the chase, its that's to be commended. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Variety has an article about the Easter eggs. There's somebody oh, that okay. has an article ab about all the Variety, Easter eggs. Entertainment Weekly, Hollywood Reporter, Vulture, they'll yeah. all have. Yeah. Just yep. Google it if you, if you want to know. Now, uh, there is not an, a scene after the credits. So no, there's... Turn off your TV. 
there's no stinger. In fact, uh, we were looking into that last night after having watched it. Apparently, the stinger was shot, and rather than using it as a stinger, it was uh, the last scene of the film, which obviously oh. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to spoil it, but right. the last scene of the film evidently was supposed to be the stinger. I think it oh. works better as a last scene, because if that was the stinger, I would have been a little disappointed that's it <laughs> uh, yeah it was yeah it was like oh that works great as an ending but as a stinger really mm. gotcha all right so lynn i saw french exit starring michelle pfeiffer and lucas hedges lucas hedges also second time in a year that he plays a guy who takes a a cruise across the ocean i know i thought of that I really dislike this movie. Okay, I didn't dislike it. I just, it makes me want to read the book. It makes me want to read the book because the book is probably a lot better than this movie because it's based on a very famous book. And okay, forgive me, maybe it's because of my age or anything like that. I always thought it was called an Irish goodbye. I'd never heard it called a French exit. An Irish goodbye is when you leave a party and you don't tell anybody but it seems that it's also known as a French exit or if you're French, a British exit. So, but I thought it was an Irish goodbye that when you leave the party, don't say bye to the host, you just escape without telling anybody. So French exit has a double meaning in this one because uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and her son, Lucas Hedges, the Price family, Francis and Malcolm, they have run out of money and they are going to escape to France and just Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, Francis, she's going to gracefully say goodbye to society and possibly the world. So you that's her French exit. So it has a double meaning, but it's just it's just a weird little movie. It starts off like it could have been a great character development, but then it gets weird. Out of nowhere, it just gets weird. Once they get on the ship, it just goes crazy. Well, the big mystery is why she has any friends and why Lucas Hedges' character uh, has a pulse because <laughs> these people are so unlikable. Uh, right. She is a socialite. She's very brittle in her... Uh, she cuts down people. She is not a kind person. And, oh, we, do, we would you know, think that they like would... That would you think that they would get a job maybe no, but what she does is they're rich trust fund people they don't they these are stereotypical people which makes me think that the book is better because the book probably goes into their lives more and and more of when she took him from that boarding school less of a, I, car, a cardboard cutout and more of a well-rounded developed character you mean right yeah. well i know i know the they the take film, shortcuts they the take film, shortcuts the filmmaker wants to make her out to be like a cross between Auntie Mame and a Wes Anderson character, maybe a little Whit Stillman thrown in there, but they're just, they're just un, like irritating. So Michelle Pfeiffer, it plays this chain smoking, brittle socialite and a friend lends her this apartment in Paris. So she sells everything. She was married to Tracy Letts and her claim to fame, so to speak, is that she found him dead in bed, but she went away for the weekend anyway. She went, she found him in bed 
didn't and it was going to she left her purse upstairs so she found it in bed got her purse went to the ski trip and then when she got back from the ski trip that's when she called the police yes now the standouts <laughs> to me in this movie are uh the the cat that they have is called small frank because her husband was frank supposedly is inhabited by the spirit of tracy letts yeah. who does a voiceover as the as the spirit as and the, the cat. dead husband yeah as the dead husband and then valerie mahaffey character Oscar, actress emmy emmy winning for northern exposure and then she was a soap opera actress also she is fantastic and, is, and you've probably seen her in hundreds of things too she's one of those people you go oh i know her yeah well all these people just come in at random times and they start coming into the apartment and it just it's like a little bit of a train wreck in terms of like they don't know when to end it well and valerie mahaffey is nominated for an independent spirit award for this role i know i know they <laughs> but were you don't, really... don't want to mention that because you don't want to give this yeah no hey in, in my review i i did point her out as the best person in it and people like michelle pfeiffer in this role because you know we were talking on the air the other day. What has she done recently besides a small part in a couple Marvel movies? She really hasn't done a lot in the last couple of years. No, I think she needs better direction here, though. I but think she she's is. She's got that David Kelly money. She doesn't need to do anything. But I think she's miscast. That's my I think opinion. She's fine. I think she's fine in this role. You can tell she's had lots of plastic surgery. And you can tell that she... <laughs> Her, you keep you keep staring at her lips, and you go, "That is that real, or is that for the movie?" Mm. And so I want to read this book now. And I want to read apparently. This book. Well, it was an international bestseller, mm -hmm. and Imogene really Imogene Poots, um, she plays Malcolm's ex fiance kind of because he has he is he doesn't at the beginning of the movie. They're debating on whether to tell Francis about Malcolm and Susan's engagement. And then things happen where they don't have to. And you feel bad for the guy that she goes back to, but then he's a dick too. So no one's likable except for Madame Renard, Ma Valerie Mahaffey. And then I guess I guess the the psychic on the boat, who is Danielle McDonald it's she, and you did you see her in patty cakes no i did not okay dan, dan saw her in patty cakes and really liked her performance in patty cakes um because i knew that in a tree in a previous real times trio we talked about patty cakes and so i guess that was if you didn't see it and i didn't see it that was dan um the acting in this is fine it's just the story is not good and the characters aren't likable, which also doesn't help, which makes me want to read the book because if it's not, if it's not any of these things, it was the transformation from page to screen, which happens a lot. A lot. Right. And it's, it's only in theaters. I don't think Sony released it really well because it's just now coming out in theaters and right. they were really trying hard to push her for awards and she didn't well she, she was nominated, nominated for and, and i know we hate golden globes but she was nominated for best actress for michelle pfeiffer and that's fine for this but it's not really not a comedy 
it's really it's 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 very david kelly like actually i'm showing my unsophistication (laughs) what that we hate the golden globes no that that i didn't like this movie no i don't i don't think so either (laughs) there are there are things to like about it but overall a, a lot of people don't care for it right right all right well, a so, movie that's a movie that is getting great nostalgia boost is the last blockbuster. It's on Netflix right now. The irony of it being on Netflix. Well, no, uh, yeah. it's, it is not <laughs> irony because if you watch the film and it's only it's only an hour and a half, uh, maybe an hour forty. Um, it's oh, eighty-six minutes. Really? Okay, so. But you want to make sure you stay to the very end because there was something nagging in my brain the entire time that they do address while the credits are rolling. Because you're like, oh, I wonder if this blockbuster stayed open during the pandemic. They do address it because it bothered me the whole time. I'm like, wow, this movie is taking place in 2017, 18, and 19. And then you wonder what happened in 2020. They do address it. In fact, it's a Jimmy Kimmel bit that they address it. And so it is, it's very well done. You hear from Paul Shear, who worked at a blockbuster when he had hair and he has lots of pictures of it. You have uh, Kevin Smith, who clerks is based on being a clerk at a, at a video okay. rental and convenience store. People always forget the video rental that Randall worked at the video rental. And there's the famous scene that's in the movie actually, because Kevin Smith is in it and gave him permission to do it. Which of these movies is better? I don't know. I don't watch movies. So (laughs) that that's it's they talk to all the right people and they talk to Doug Benson, who has a podcast, Doug Loves Movies, and they talk about his movie Super High Me and how it's great that Super High Me is right next to Super Size Me. And Doug Benson's like, I that's why I named the movie this way. So they'd be next to each other on a video rental shelf. It's they talk to all the right people. They and it's weird because they talked to uh, Eric Close, who, if you don't know who Eric Close is, he is an actor on Nashville, and he was on, I want to say Without a Trace, one of the CBS procedurals, because I used to yeah. watch him every week. I'm like, I know who it is. It's, I, I want to say it's Without a Trace. I think yeah. you're right, yeah. I, I, you're right. I was introduced to him from the original Magnificent Seven TV series in the late 90s. He was okay. uh, the basically the uh, Steve McQueen role. Oh, really? Uh, It was a different character, but that's essentially what he was, yeah. But he he from Bend, Oregon. Yeah. So they talk to him because he's from the town where the very last blockbuster is. And they talk about the whole John Oliver thing, how they sent the Cinderella Man stuff to Alaska. And then once those Alaska stores closed, they sent them to Bend. Except they didn't yeah. send the jock strap. <laughs> yeah, they don't have the jock strap. They were saying that they were getting ready because they had all these plexiglass things. Well, Sandy Harding is known as the Blockbuster Mom, and yes. she and her family have been running this store. But it's owned by Ken and Debbie Tisher, who started P- Pacific Video. And, they're, and they're inter- he is interviewed as well. Hmm. Right. The reason that they can keep open is they're a franchise because Blockbuster declared bankruptcy in 2010. And then in 2014, all the corporate stores shuttered. Right, but Dish, so, Dish Network owns the name. Right, and so because they are a franchise and they still have customers, and now it's become this worldwide phenomenon. Uh, they had an article the other day 
people are sending them money. Yep. And also people are buying t-shirts and masks and all sorts of memorabilia that local bend businesses are making for yeah. this. And so it's become this huge, like a pilgrimage. A guy came from Spain and people walk in and they just have a grin from ear to ear. Because it smells and, like a blockbuster store. Yeah. <laughs> and they have the, they, some, some of them, you know, still have their membership cards and they pull them out. And, and uh, it's just such a walk down memory lane for anybody who grew up in the 80s, 90s and the early 2000s. That's what you did. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's weird because uh, I don't know if it was Kevin Smith or if it was Paul Shear that said this. And they said, oh, Sam Levine from Freaks and Geeks does have a thing. He's like, if the NFL went away tomorrow, this is how you'd feel about it 20 years from now. But it was either it was either Kevin Smith or Paul Shear who said we saw a company in our lifetime start from nothing, be at the top of the world. And then disappear all within 35 years, mm -hmm. which yeah. is right. very because weird. In the early uh, 80s, because Blockbusters first was in Dallas, I think 1984. They get, anyway, they get into all of that. In the early 80s, uh, they were really mom and pop stores. And then no, Blockbuster. Blockbuster bought all the mom and pop shit. Remember right. Movies right. to Go? That, right. that became a Blockbuster video. Right. And then, well, then, then there was uh, Hollywood video mm -hmm. and video yeah. update. Yeah. And then uh, family video was around till just this year. Yep. Right. Yep. Just recently. But they were the last ones. And uh, so it was a thing. I remember a friend of mine bought a VCR in 1979. It looked For like, like $500 one of those. $500 or $1,000. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. And and uh, I went to rent a movie at the BAC video in Belleville and it cost me $9 mm -hmm. and it was the North Dallas 40. That's what I rented for $9. Well, see, that's a new, that was a new release too. Right. Right. For, for like, you know, one or two nights. And uh, one of the, they go through all the missteps that Blockbuster did. And Blockbuster could have bought Netflix when it was a DVD mail order. Do you remember that? Do you remember Reed just Hastings getting your. Went to a meeting and they recreate that meeting. Yeah. With puppets. <laughs> well, so. Oh, well, that's, I mean, I was going to watch it bef before regardless, but you mentioned puppets and I'm in. <laughs> and then, um, uh, so they, but they, yeah, but they decided not to. And remember when they decided to get rid of late fees? Right. They talk about that. They, I think Ron Funches, who I love anyway, is hilarious in this movie as a talking head. And the, some of the people that they talked, they talked to Ioni Sky from Say Anything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Ioni Sky from Say Anything. And she says, I, I can't describe what a blockbuster is to my daughters because they laugh me off the set. It's funny. And well, it's it talks about that experience of going in as kids. It talks about parents taking their kids and then date night. Mm -hmm. That was a thing, you know, getting movies. The home entertainment boom of the 80s and the 90s. I just remember the kids and I would go to Blockbuster for the weekend and you want to get one of the new releases, but they're, the 20 copies are all out. 
So you got to find something else. And the lore, the whole big story about Quentin Tarantino used to work at a video store. Yeah, but he store. didn't work at a blockbuster, though. He worked no. at an independent. Right. And he would recommend movies to people. And so my son, Tim, worked at a family video. And, and that's why he wanted to do it was so he could recommend movies to people. Right. To well, Brian, Brian Posehn uh, equates it. So he worked at a record store that sold movies also. So he also worked at a record store. And Brian Posehn's very funny about this. He's like, the reason he didn't work in a blockbuster store was the uniform. Because <laughs> he said, I can dress like this if I was at a record store. But if I, if I went to blockbuster, I'd have to wear khakis and that stupid blue shirt. <laughs> yeah, well, Adam Brody worked at one. He said it was way better than working at the grocery store. And so they give all these people a clamshell box of, of a video of the movie, a videotape. And they just grin from ear to ear, recalling that opening mm -hmm. the box. Uh, and also, uh, Adam Adam Brody remembers doing a a because his character on the OC was like a film nerd, and so they he said they had me do a photo shoot at a blockbuster video. And then I didn't know this the story about Jamie Kennedy and Jim Gaffigan. That is oh a my great God. story. That, that is, is so funny. They show their first commercial for Blockbuster, and it's Jim Gaffigan with Jamie Kennedy. It's it because he was the Blockbuster kid. It, it the weird. There is one weird thing about this movie. Lauren Lapkus from um, The Wrong Missy. She's the narrator, not in the movie at all, but she's the narrator. Her she doesn't need to be narrating this because sometimes the documentarian talks to the people that they're talking to it, it's just weirdly done it's, it's like okay we're gonna have a narrator but now we're gonna have the videographer ask questions of our subjects it's like they didn't know which way to go but that's hmm. the only hmm. weirdness i found in the movie either have your narrator do the stuff or have the videographer and then it's all subtitled anyway so it's 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 just a stylistic point. But other than that, it is it is really well done. Well, it's a blast from the past and a walk down memory lane. I will say it's not necessarily a great made film. That's I what think I'm talking the about. Filmmakers were it's more just, of a labor of love than an actual uh let's make a documentary to win a right. They live in Bend, and so they wanted to preserve the history of this store, and then it developed. The um, Bend, Oregon is 170 miles east of Portland. If you want to give it's, it, if you're going to go there, you really have to want to go there. Yeah, some guy drove up from San Diego and said it took him 15 hours. Yeah. Wow. So, but it, who, I think yeah. we, we, talk, we think, I think we hit everybody that's in the movie except one guy from Troma Films that is very angry and hates blockbuster and doesn't really need or want to be in the movie. Yeah, that was a, that was a weird part, but yeah, no, I think it hit everything for any kid uh, that, that grew up like that. It's just total nostalgia to the max. And, and it everything that you think, you know, about why blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. You will learn that you're wrong about it. It's not. And they, they ask, Every single person they ask in the movie, why do you think Blockbuster's not here? And they all give the same answer, and that's not why. 
<laughs> and, and so whatever you think the reason that Blockbuster doesn't exist, that's not why. And you'll find out why in this movie. See, that's what's called a tease, Lynn, to get people to watch it. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, it is now on Netflix as of March 15th. And uh, there are tons of articles. Every media outlet has done an article about this. Oh, yeah. See, it, yeah. She even says, uh, she even says that I'm surprised I'm not on the phone right now. Hmm. Yeah. And so it's, it's really, it's really nice about the commitment of this family. And, oh, Sandy, um, Sandy Harding is a saint and she even wonders, she, she wants to retire in five years. And her husband says, well, what if the blockbuster is still there? And she's like, oh, I'm going to die with that. Yeah. Well, another movie on Netflix that came out April 2nd is Concrete Cowboy with Idris Elba and Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger Things and Jarell Jerome from Moonlight. And he won an Emmy for When They See Us. Is that the correct title? Anyway, who knew that there was this horsemanship community in North Philadelphia? Did you guys know this? This is um, I saw, not, I, not until I saw the trailer. Right, yeah. which popped up on Netflix, which right after I watched, right after I watched the last block, the last, the last blockbuster, it said you might like this. <laughs> well, it it premiered, uh, like I said, April second, but it was also at the Toronto Virtual Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, last fall and that's when netflix bought it and well, it, it, it's based on a, a book called ghetto cowboy so they changed the name of the book right this is an urban cowboy community for over a hundred years mm-hmm. it's called the the um i just forgot the street the fletcher street stables okay. and they take care of these horses and it's a whole community so they frame it around this story. It's a first-time filmmaker, and he co-wrote the screenplay. And Ricky Staub. Right. And I think, I mean, the, 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 the history and the real-life version of this is extraordinary, I think. And yeah, well, I don't it's know not, if it's... It's not like there are a lot of horses in northern Philadelphia. No. And... I don't know if this fictional story that they created for this is, is elevated enough. It's pretty standard father-son drama. Idris Elba plays Harpy's a estranged father from his son who has just been expelled from school in Detroit. His mother doesn't know what to do with him. She ships him off to philadelphia to live with his father so this urban kid is like what are these horses and he hooks up with his 'er ne'er-do-well cousin who is played by gerald jerome who is a drug dealer and he's got a lot of bad people after him and so you know where that's going and so it's a coming of age drama but I wish it would have been a little bit more special because the topic itself is really remarkable. And it's based on a true story. Right. I just think that having the standard TV movie like script doesn't do it any favors. Mm. All right. But if you're a Wu-Tang fan, Method Man's in it too. Yes, he plays a cop. And um, yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, the actors are all very good. Idris Elba is not in it that much for top billing. That's for the oh. he's the lead. Yeah, I know. So, but it's so it's really not about him. Of... It's it's about the kid. Okay. Caleb McLaughlin. And you know what? Netflix is good to give him projects that he wants to do so he can continue to be on Stranger Things and make out with Max. So there we go. So uh, Jason, I know that you are, uh, because of your comic book history, uh, you are familiar with this Berserker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah so Berserker. Which Netflix is just bought, and it's a Keanu Reeves project. So tell us about this Matthew Kind, who lives in Webster Groves and went to Webster University. Yeah, that that was news to me uh, only recently that Matthew Kent was uh, local. Um, but I, you know, he's he's an amazing comic writer, and and uh, you know, he's been kind of a, a powerhouse name for a good twenty five years or so in in the industry. Um, but yeah, Berserker, it's, it's great. It's a great book. It's uh, something that Matthew Kent co-wrote and co-developed with Keanu Reeves. And um, I want to say Ron Garney is the artist of the book, uh, even though he wasn't the original artist. I guess the original artist was having issues and they had to bring in Ron Garney, who's also very well known in the industry and, and kind of a... a reliable standard artist so you know they knew that they could count on him um yeah the first issue has come out it sold very 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 well and while the first issue was not overly fulfilling in the character development end um it was action-packed certainly it was very well drawn it was very well paced and um and very exciting to read and and gave you just enough to make you want to come back for issue two to find out more about this this story which is what you always hope for a, a monthly uh, periodical story um so yeah this this character this berserker character is uh some sort of a genetically enhanced uh soldier of sorts actually i got a, a very bloodshot vibe while reading huh. it if anybody saw the bloodshot movie or read any of the comics um only much don't, more don't intense talk, and much don't more blame the, don't blame the movie yeah right don't, don't go off on the movie i i enjoyed the bloodshot movie it's a terrible movie but i enjoyed it um but i i also when it comes to comic book movies i i set bars at different levels depending right. on what they are now now i was confused when you guys started talking about berserker this this is not the x-men morlocks berserker this no. is something totally different this is something totally different and totally new and it's uh, in fact it's even spelled different it's like i think it's b-r- Z K R, I think is no, no, it's B R Z R K R B R Z R. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and it's and it's really good. And and Matthew Kent, I mean, clearly you can tell that he and Keanu Reeves developed the story, but you know, if you've read other books written by Matthew Kent, you can tell that he is the script brilliance behind mm -hmm. it. He, you know, he is definitely the one running it. Um, and he, you know, he's having a hell of a year too, because he he was just a member of a a group of creators that have come together to create a company called Bad Idea Comics, <laughs> and um, 
and their their first book was a book called ENIAC, which is uh, based on the, the the ENIAC computer system that was developed in the in the forties. And this book, as as well as Berserker sold, ENIAC sold probably ten times better. I mean, the, really. The, first issue of ENIAC is all that's come out so far and um, the first printings I think a week after it was released were already selling for like $150 on eBay. It, wow. was, it was so insanely uh, received and it's incredibly well written. Um, clearly a very different approach from Berserker. You know you can tell Berserker has that Keanu Reeves stamp of we will get to character and we will develop things, but this is really about the action. And, and this it's is Keanu's really about the fun. One Whereas, of the writers. Yeah, he 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 co co-created the whole project. Yeah. Whereas ENIAC is much more developed and much more of a um, a mystery of sorts. Okay. When do you think uh, it's going to be out on Netflix, or is that too far in advance? Oh, to... it's in development. It's the weird yeah, years off. I think I think we're we're still quite a ways off. Now, I, I will say that if you know, I think they said the first story arc will run about four or five issues. If these four or five issues sell as well as the first issue has, I could see them pushing that timetable. I could see them um, rushing it. And, you know, it'll also depend, too, on uh, what Keanu Reeves' involvement will be with yeah, it. How many John Wick films are there? Right. How, what's, his, what's his schedule? Is he just going to be a producer of Berserker? Right. Or is he going to be in it? Because they certainly draw the character in the comic like Keanu Reeves. I mean, he looks like John Wick in tactical <laughs> gear. Well, and also they're going to do an anime series as well so it's not just going to be live action they're going to do anime as well so that i mean you can't just turn something around it's not like south park yeah. where you can do it in a week yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be a while yeah I'm, I'm sure it'll be it'll be a little bit but um it is definitely the kind of thing that you know it, get the get the books and and check them out before it hits and for anybody that wants to do the hardcore collecting thing um you know we talk about this on my big fat poll list that if you're if you're just into the stories get it any way you can it's a fun read if you're into the investment stuff start picking up berserker now because when that show hits i do think it's going to be very well received if it's anything like the comic now which do you think will be more well received the anime or the live action it depends on which one is closer to the the source material Okay. I would say um, my gut would say the anime because you can do more. You've got less constraints. Yeah. And that, they knows? can for sure have Keanu Reeves do that. Uh, yep. 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 That, to bring him in for a week and do the audio and the ADR and you're fine. Um, so, yeah, it really depends on on who they get. I mean, you know, how many times have we seen source material get bloodshot? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Bring that full circle. Right. So, like bloodshot it wasn't that boom also Didn't... that was valiant valiant okay valiant yeah 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 and that was that was an unfortunate um misstep there but but if you if you liked the concept of bloodshot if you liked the idea of this kind of genetically reworked super soldier berserker is it no for for okay. bloodshot yeah no. I'm not I'm not generally a Vin Diesel fan 
for the most part anyway i mean he's fine for certain things but i'm a big fan of the valiant comics right and um and so i would have liked to have seen someone that that had a little more versatility i think vin diesel is great for Put a gun in his hand and yeah right and just do an action scene um well, the character and bloodshot is more know, developed than that though i'm sorry lynn and i both know people that bloodshot was the last movie they saw before the pandemic hit and they oh. read it oh oh i think it was the first movie i saw when the pandemic hit and i bought it sight unseen on blu-ray again because i i'm a big fan of valiant and i wanted to support valiant films i want to see valiant films succeed that's that's how i feel but, about leica so, i hated box trolls but i want like the, the leica films because the leica yeah because there's there's something there yeah and right. and they will only succeed if you speak with with your wallet right. um but uh but at the same time you have to be careful because you don't you know like with valiant i want to support valiant movies i want them to succeed but I also don't but, want a Vin Diesel bloodshot. Stuff, yeah, right. Yeah, I don't want to support <laughs> that necessarily. <laughs> uh, well, uh, in addition to staying in and watching everything we possibly can on the streaming services, we now have an opportunity to go outside because the Muni is selling season tickets. They do have a disclaimer on it, though, that they say, I'm going to read this. A final decision regarding the status of the 2021 season will be made in the late spring based on the current health landscape, best practices, and all available information. Now, Lynn, as a season ticket holder, as we both are, did you get the survey from the Muni? I did not. I did, and I am, they asked a whole bunch oh, of- Oh, I did. I did. I did get I'm sorry, Carl. I did. They, they asked a whole bunch of very personal and very invasive questions about what, how far you'd be willing to go just to see things at the Muni. And I answered honestly, and I wonder how much that survey of season ticket holders will affect their decisions. Yeah, I did see that and I wasn't meant to go back to it. I'm sorry, I totally forgot. Oh, so you, you have until like the 5th so you can still do it this weekend. Yeah, which is which is great. And then the Cardinals opener in, in person is on Thursday, April yeah, one 8th. third. So and what, yeah, only four, what is one what is one third of what 46? is it forty? Is it forty six thousand? Um, let's I don't let's know. just say forty five. So that would be. I thought it was. I thought it was like fifteen thousand. Right. I'm an let's actor and an 45. artist. I don't do math. Are you kidding? Come on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's forty five, it's fifteen. So they're going to have fifteen thousand people. Yeah, no cash. You scan your own ticket. A friend mm -hmm. of mine's an usher. She was telling me they had online. Oh, no, the training. Cardinals. The Cardinals sent out an email today saying if you have tickets, here's how it's going to be. It might have been yesterday. This this weekend, if you're on the Cardinals mailing list, you will find out what they are expecting of you if you mm -hmm. decide to come to the park. I just wonder if they're going to have the Clydesdales opening because I watch every opening day. My mom worked at the brewery for 25 years. So when they play, here comes the King and the Clydesdales come up, I get all misty eyed and I love the red jacket parade and we're I not going to have Lou and we're not going to have yeah. Gibby. And so that'll be bittersweet. And then it's Shannon's last year in the broadcast in the booth. Yep. And apparently he has been very, uh, really struggling with the post COVID lingering effects 
-hmm. which I totally get. Well, yeah. he's he's only doing home games, so he hasn't been. I mean, I don't think I don't think the broadcasters are traveling anyway. But uh, you can watch Lynn the whole opening ceremonies. You can listen to them on KMOX, or you can watch it on the Bally Midwest Sports Network. That's right, the Bally. That's right, they changed it. Well, I gotta, not, I gotta see all, if I I gotta see if I have that. Now hold on, Lynn. This is all due to Disney buying Fox mm -hmm. because the the government, the powers that be, would not let Disney own Fox Sports and ESPN. So they had to spin them off and they spun them off to Bally Entertainment, the casino people. So okay. if you see a lot more betting ads, that's why. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, uh, Jason has a personal history with the Cardinals. Because it, didn't you take your lovely wife Taylor on her first date to the Cardinals? It was a it was a very early date. Yes, in fact, we we met right after I had moved back home from L.A. and um, we spent probably the first month of our dating going out to bars and and catching uh that postseason in 2013 oh when we when the last time we went to the world series and, and ended up losing um yes yeah yeah because we are both huge huge uh baseball fans and particularly massive cardinal fans but yeah very early on that was one of our very early dates and then um our our one year anniversary we actually splurged and went to a postseason game the following year which i had never been to before i think it was a game one of the nlcs in 2014 which we lost and we lost that game in particular uh if right. i remember right but um and it's your fault it was my fault yeah and i thought well i'll never go again no that's not <laughs> true yeah no i'm i'm we're both huge huge fans i've always uh had an idea of of wanting to do movies that center around that I, I would love to one day do a film about uh, produce a film about Stan Musial um, you know uh, you know we made that film Four Color Eulogy a few years ago I've always wanted to do a, a follow-up film in the sports world if that was in kind of the comic world I've always wanted to do a follow-up film in the local sports world and um, so yeah Cardinals baseball is huge and you, you can be sure I, I have blocked out the eighth <laughs> i will be i will be glued to the tv on that day and lynn i have a i have also my own cardinal uh legacy because um i did the music for the 2009 all-star game <gasps> my father was a bat boy for the cardinals oh, and wow. my grandfather was the team position up until 1968 that's oh, wow. right, Carl. Yes, so, you do wow, have a awesome. legacy. My wife has a picture of the three of us were never in the same place at the time because of, you know, people dying and stuff. But she does have a picture of all of us in a cardinal facility doing cardinal things at the same time. In fact, it was weird. Like I was rehearsing for the all-star game and I'm like, could someone take a picture for my wife? And I just had to She's like, you want me to wear this and aim like this and this. And so and I, at the time, I didn't know why she wanted this. But at Christmas that year, she said, the Middleman family tradition continues. So oh, that, nice. that was a wonderful gift that my wife gave me. I like her sometimes. 
<laughs> no, I should I should change that. I like her all the time. She likes me sometimes. <laughs> well, if you are if you are baseball card collectors, my friends, uh, they used to be sports writers and and you know newspaper sports writers. Uh, Brian Bretch, he has started a Twitter feed called Birdbrain sixty six, and every day he shares a vintage baseball card. Oh wow! And what, and what was fun. that again, Lynn? It's Birdbrain sixty six. Birdbrain, yeah, I'm a huge baseball card collector. On the yeah, Twitters, on the Twitters, on the Twitters. So, and it's Brian Bretch. You can look him up on Facebook. And so, yeah, it's a whole thing because you know there's all these great. And Kenny Reitz just passed, mm-hmm. number forty four. He was my sister's favorite, and she made a scrapbook out of him. And she was so upset that he never won a Golden Glove because Mike Schmidt. Always won the third base Golden Glove, Mike Schmidt of the Phillies. Bird brain or bird brains? It might well might be bird brains. Because bird brain singular sixty six has been suspended. Oh, <laughs> so okay. it might be bird brains. Yeah, unless <laughs> unless Tops was the one that's saying you shouldn't do that. Oh, nope, bird brains. It's plural. It's plural. Okay. It's okay. Plural. Okay, sorry. Uh, Johnny Mize is the card of the day that oh. he just oh. put up today. Oh, okay. Well, very cool. Very cool. So uh, another thing that's going on is in the local history, we have a new cinema. They have opened a new movie theater in Alton. And I know, Jason, you did quite a bit of theater over in Alton. Uh, the River... What what was their name? The the company and it was the yeah. Bankside uh, Repertory Theater. Yeah, I, I knew it was something with the Riverbank. Okay, so Neighborhood Cinema Group, their chain, they have opened. They have taken the old Sears store in the Alton Mall, oh. the Square Alton Square, and turned it into a multiplex. I think there's four, <laughs> and everything like all the concessions are self serve. Everything everything is. Uh, they just opened the other day and they had a segment on KMOV, if you want to go look at it, mm-hmm. about their safety precautions. And uh, they had Godzilla versus Kong and they had showing sell out. They have limited capacity, but we actually have a new cinema. Wow. How about that? Nice. That's, that's good and, and promising. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk back and forth about whether or not uh, actual cinema buildings and theater buildings would survive after the pandemic or if we would reduce the amount of buildings in certain markets because of all the streaming possibilities that are now coming up. So that's, um, you know, that's very exciting and positive to hear something new up, uh, appearing. Yeah, and it, also, looked real, it looked really nice. Also, our friend Dan Buck, you know how he did some things out in Hazelwood last year? Yes. He might be doing more of the same this year. Uh-huh. No, nothing, nothing is confirmed yet, but I, I'm hearing rumblings that they're working on something big. So. Oh, well, they I, are returning. Concerts are returning slowly but surely, and things are going to get back to normal eventually. We just have to get more people vaccinated and right. uh the you know the things are but i think that the great experiment with hbo with warner brothers releasing in theaters and releasing in hbo max 
the box office has not suffered because people went to Wonder Woman 84. People went to Tom and Jerry. People are going to Godzilla versus Kong. So how about that? Well, I think the experience of going to a theater is still, you know, something that that we as, you know, humans crave. I think that 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 will always be there, no matter how much it takes, you know, other forms take over. You know, they they kept saying that television would kill the theater going experience. And that was what, 70 years ago, 80 years ago. So, you know, if it hasn't been destroyed by that in that amount of time, streaming i don't think is going to destroy it either it might lessen but i don't think the theater going experience that experience of sitting in a dark theater surrounded by people you know and seeing something larger than life on a screen in front of you i I don't think that that can be replicated at home well my daughter is in high school and she went to an 18th birthday party yesterday that was at a movie theater to see Rhea and the Last Dragon. Her parents rented out the entire theater for like $250. And they had uh, less than a dozen people in that theater, which is actually a good price to, yeah. to, for a dozen people. But I think it was uh, less than that. But it, it doesn't matter. But people want to go to movie theaters and they... Of course, all the girls, they, since they're um, anime nerds, they said, Raya and the Last Dragon takes a lot of influences from a lot of things. And I said, yeah, but it's fantasy. So it doesn't have to be one. They pick and chose what they wanted to pull from different Southeast Asian things. She's like, yeah, but, you know, some things contradict each other because, you know, that's what anime fans do. Well, that I've noticed all these, if you go to the theater websites, if you go to Marcus, if you go to AMC, they're all promoting renting out mm-hmm. their, mm-hmm. their, uh, it's their like, it's, it's like a hundred dollars baseline. And then like the more, the more accoutrements you get, like snacks or whatever, the price goes up. I had a friend who, uh, you know, just told me this morning that they, they rented out a, a screen last night for Godzilla and Kong. So yeah, people wow. are doing it. Which is, it's a good thing. I hope that, uh, I hope to return. Yeah, at yeah. At some point the this year, yeah. I'm vaccinated. I had COVID. So, hey, I'm ready. I well, don't want to be Skip with Weber 300 people. rented out of theater every two years to see the new Star Wars because he wanted to make sure that he got to see it. And he, rent, he went to theater, rented it out, invited his friends to make sure that they'd all see, they could all see Star Wars opening weekend. I, of course, had already seen it twice by then, but my family had not so for rise of skywalker went to it and it was great well let me the experience was great oh you can't beat an experience in a a movie theater especially if you're with people that you love and uh you're going to share it it's the shared experience Mm -hmm. right yeah that can't be mimicked at home you just can't not in the same way Right. Just like the sense of community. Now, uh, we do have a little St. Louis connection uh, on PBS starting Monday. Ken Burns' new documentary on Hemingway, April 5th through 7th. Uh, He has St. Louis influences and nine PBS, that Living St. Louis show. 
they do a thing about St. Louis influences on Hemingway. His first three wives of his four all came from St. Louis. Huh. I didn't know yeah. that. Huh. Yeah. And he's the last one probably from Key West. Yeah. And he spent some time. That was Mary. That would they lived in Idaho. Remember the Idaho bunch? But anyway, but yeah, Hadley Richardson, Pauline, I forget Pauline's last name, but she was the French editor of Vogue. The, I mean, the editor of the French Vogue, Paris. And then um, Gellhorn, the Mar the the uh, wartime photographer woman. Okay. There's a movie about them. Clive Owen and Nicole Kidman play that. But this is, this is a deep dive into Hemingway. Uh, and every, it's getting rave reviews. My friend Peter Larson that writes for the Orange County Register got to see some of it. Says it's great. Yeah, isn't it like six hours? Yeah, it's not that long. It's only Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So okay. that is um, on. I'm yeah. I'm more interested in the American Masters Doc Severinsen biography that is Ooh. on this week, also on PBS. Well, I am loving these docs. Hey, the um, award season. I want to mention that the Screen Actors Guild Awards are Sunday night, and it is mm -hmm. a one-hour pre-taped special, and people are leaking it like crazy because they were all supposed to keep quiet about who they won. signed NDAs. Yeah, well, it's leaking all over Twitter. So I don't know. And and I don't know if that's responsible. Hmm. Because what if it's wrong? You know. So Jason, are you are you're a member of a SAG AFTRA, right? I am. Mm -hmm. Did you get to vote this year? I did, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you I, sign uh, an NDA? Uh no. <laughs> no, because you don't know who won. No um no because you don't yeah you don't get that uh yeah i i voted i despite the fact that i am so far behind in award season film viewing this year which is ironic because so much of it is just readily available on streaming this year as opposed to other years and like many people i was furloughed for six seven months and had the time so it's ironic that this year is the year that i've seen less movies than i have ever seen in any year for award season but um but yeah i did i did get to do, to vote um despite that do you think there's going to be any big upsets um i'm not i'm not expecting any if anything the uh i think the two categories that i can see the biggest upsets coming this year would be in best picture or in best actor um, I, I think that Nomad Land probably has the lock, but, um, but I can see voters going a different way for Promising Best Picture. Young Woman or Minari? I can, I can see either one of those, uh, going. Um, and I think Chadwick Boseman is probably a, a, a lock for actor, although I can see Anthony Hopkins, um, I can see that happening. That is a growing thing, but I don't know. It's just the optics of it are going to look bad. 
Uh, yeah. After old white dude, <laughs> after mm -hmm. all this, you know, mm -hmm. after all this, but we've never had as many people of color nominated at right. one, you know, in the one. Right. Now, uh, the Screen Actors Guild doesn't give best picture, they give best No, ensemble. they give ensemble. Yes. yes, that's right. Yes. And that's where I think it's going to differ because I think Trial of the Chicago Seven had the best ensemble this year. But will Nomadland do it or Minari? I think Minari has a better ensemble than both of those. I, I would if agree. If you're doing it from I, ensemble, the definition of ensemble, Minari. Yeah, I, I think if you're if you're looking at at ensemble based on the definition of it, then personally, I don't think Nomadland, as much as I liked the film, I don't think it has any place being in there. Because it, you only have woman. two actors. Everybody else is, you know, real people. Um, but Promi um, and promising young woman is basically a solo piece right right so um but but outside of that you know you, you you know you also have to look at it and think the way the voters are voting and the way that they're looking at it yeah do you and have I, a friend that's in chicago seven you want to vote for your friend right it, it, you know it, or um and it's a cast of thousands or I just I just liked Nomadland. I'm gonna vote for Nomadland, or you know. So it's 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 weird to kind of. I think Nomadland still probably is gonna gonna be the big one. But um, yeah, I think uh, uh, Minari just sure, Minari right. was just beautiful. It was just a beautiful film. Mm -hmm. Oh, it is, and it just sneaks up on you because oh, it's, it's it, yeah. It's it's not. I said you know nothing big really like there's no explosive big i mean there is something that changes yeah but, yeah yeah but. but basically the story and it's just so beautifully told and so beautifully acted i tell yeah, people I mean, you know it's gentle yeah i think the every performance in it is amazing and i yeah i think i think carl's right i think when you're talking about the definition of ensemble minari nails it um but will the voters look at it that way right if you have more right. friends, if you have friends that are in Chicago 7, and you pro if you're in SAG, you probably know somebody that was in Chicago 7. Right. I always enjoyed the beginning where they, they tell their personal stories. I'm an actor. Mm -hmm. So I hope they still do that, even though it's not going to be live. But that's one of my, next to the Independent Spirit Awards, the Screen Actors Guild is always my favorite, you know, the next favorite. Well, and those those openings, you know, like you mentioned that, Lynn, I, I, I love all of that kind of stuff. I, I love that. I love the clip reels because any of these things, SAG and Oscars and Emmys and any of them, I, you know, giving an award for a piece of art, it's so subjective and it's so hard. I mean, everybody can have a, a different view. So I, I, you know, that part of it is just whatever that's fun i think that the celebration every year of the craft the focus should be on those clip reel moments like you're talking about that happen at the beginning because that is what we're celebrating that is the closest thing that the entertainment world has to a super bowl and yeah the awards are fun and that's kind of a skeleton that you can drape all of that uh, that history and celebration on so yeah i hope they keep that up uh, with this this pre-recorded ceremony well if, if we only have a couple minutes left jason what is out there right now that you want people to watch um 
boy. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna have to say it's Kong because it's so fresh in my head. Kong and Godzilla. It just was a Fun. blast. Yeah. If you just want to turn your brain off and you just want to escape from all the craziness that the world has seen in the last year and a half and you just want to have a good time eat some popcorn at home or go to the theater and just turn your brain off man it is a blast i was jumping up and down on my sofa going nuts over this movie uh, what if i haven't seen a lot the first of three doesn't matter do you know okay. who kong is and do you know who godzilla is i do i know who both of those guys are. then you're fine or <laughs> are, are they non are they non-binary are they're both are they both male or do, does it even matter? I don't think it even matters. <laughs> I don't think it even matters. <laughs> you That'd know, be great you gotta, if like Kong was a girl and then she was pregnant. Because, right. You know, that would, that's a whole nother spinoff. Oh, well, you know, then you run the risk of, you know, filmmakers doing a, a Kong Godzilla hybrid and then you're starting to get into AVP territory. And wow. We don't go okay. There. We All don't right. I go wasn't there. even going that way, <laughs> but sure. Well, they always have technology as the evil people. So, yeah. you know, you got plenty of fodder there. I just remember the first uh, Godzilla came out the year I was born. And I just remember as a child, Channel 11 on Sundays mm. would show Tarzan movies and Shirley Temple movies. And then they would show Godzilla movies, the, orig the original. Yeah. That is a different era. Yeah, but it was Jason, a different one every week because there was 80 of them. <laughs> but I know Jason remember the, the Godzilla movies are lumped into three eras. Yeah. So the first one, but it couldn't have been more cheesy, but it's so fascinating. An atomic sea monster mm -hmm. that has that blue beam. And, and when you see it right away in this movie, it triggers in your brain, you know, that that's all you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> and that first film is, is so well, especially the, uh, the original Japanese version, you know, I mean, with the one that that's does not, not the Raymond have, Burr version, right, right. Though not the Raymond Burr stuff. Um, you know, if you watch that original version and watch it with the subtitles instead of the dubbing, it's actually for the era a really well, well made monster movie for that time um, and, and commentary. And there's aspects of that approach in these new monster verse films that they certainly bring. And there's a little bit of that in this. And like Lynn said, you know, the light up spine and the blue electric energy and all that. But um, but this is, if you know that Kong is a giant ape and you know that Godzilla is a giant lizard sea creature thing, okay, that's it. And they're going to fight. That's all you need to know. Jason, <laughs> where can we find you on the socials? I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram. And all uh, both of the, the podcasts that I do are on uh, all three as well. My Big Fat Pull List and Two Guys Talking Horror. They're on, on all the socials. You can find me at underscore Carl the Intern on Instagram and Twitter. And there are four hockey games next week. So I will be at <laughs> all of those blowing the horn, hopefully a lot more during the game rather than just before the game. And I've been on the Mark Reardon show all week. And I'm going to be on with Mark and Annie Fry coming up next week on 97.1. Lynn, well, very cool. I think you will like the music to Godzilla versus in Godzilla mm. versus Kong, Carl. Okay. It's very interesting mm -hmm. choices. 
Uh, I am on KTRS every Thursday night. Miller Furniture presents Lynn Van House Goes to the Movies around 10.30 p.m. And you can get it on the SoundCloud if you miss the live stream or tuning in. And then I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times. And I have my own website, poplifestl.com. And I wish everybody a happy spring. Get vaccinated. Stay local, shop local, and uh, we will see you back next week with the movies never stop. News never what, stops. Movies what's that never next stop. week? I don't know. Um, next week we have not, not next week is going to be a pretty weak week. <laughs> Yay, weak week. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Jason, so much, and, and good yeah, luck with all your back. projects. Yeah, yeah it's fun. Thank I you. always look forward to seeing you all in my uh, Facebook feed. I keep getting memories of the Theater Circle Awards. I know. Yeah, I miss live theater. Hopefully, uh, hopefully all the, you know, the vaccinations will start taking and we can get rid of this thing and we can get some live theater back up in this in this market. That would be great. And Jason's dad is an actor, John Contini, mm -hmm. and he was in the yes. Muni, too. Mm -hmm. So, yep, yep. yeah, yeah, I both did the Muni, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. And Taylor. And Taylor. Yeah. All, all of us have done the Muni at, at some point in time. Yeah. So uh, I look forward to that. Well, bye-bye, everybody. Thank you. Stay bye. safe. Yeah.